Welcome to episode number 187, Deconstructing Walls. Now this week we're going to talk a little bit about deconstructing those emotional walls we talked about last week. Now last week I did discuss the idea that we construct protective emotional walls to defend us from future painful and negative emotional experiences. And that we often associate people, organizations, places, and even certain types of knowledge with these negative emotions. That is not really the object of our pain. For instance, I have in the past associated church attendance with my depressive symptoms. And while attending church, my experiences have at times have been dominated by those painfully miserable and negative feelings that come with major depressive disorder, anxiety disorder, and bipolar. We can associate these painful experiences with the place, time, people that surround us during the experience rather than symptoms of a mental illness. Now this is a false association where portions of our external environment become associated with the pains of mental illness, but they really don't have a connection. These false associations can cause those feelings to return when we are with those people, places, and even the society that surrounds them. Because our mind has associated painful experiences with these external objects, it's, it expects us to feel future pain in those places. Now our mind's obviously built to avoid pain. I've discussed this regularly and to prevent it. And so we will con consciously and even subconsciously avoid the associated external objects. For instance, I've known some individuals who were abused by church members. The abuser's membership made them trusted individuals to the victim. Now, when that trust is broken in a reckless and very emotionally painful way, the individual will associate the pain with the person and the organization because their trust was wrapped in both of them, in the idea of membership. The trauma that occurred with these individuals is then transferred to the organization as a whole. Because the mind has a difficult time with disassoci disassociating the individual from the member in a trust sense, it is not uncommon for someone who has been abused by a trusted person to associate both the organization, buildings, places, and really anything surrounding the entire experience with the trauma and the pain of that experience. Now the mind does this really as a protective mechanism. It expands the experience of the trauma to aid in avoidance of future pain. Now individuals who have experienced deep trauma as children with trusted adults find it difficult and painful to be anywhere near the experience or anywhere similar to the experience. When it is a church member or leader who has committed the abuse, the church itself can be included within the perimeter of the trauma. Now, individuals will not feel peace inside of the church, around individuals associated with the church, and even the doctrine associated with the church. It is important to understand that the individual does not fully comprehend that they have this deep association with the environment surrounding the experience. They simply know that they don't feel peace within the walls or around the people of the church. Now, this deep association can be difficult to understand and even diff more difficult to untangle and heal and doesn't normally fade or remove itself without significant understanding through spiritual and professional help. Also understand that it does not take abuse or trauma for this type of asso association to occur. For instance, my particular mental and emotional issues with bipolar and major depressive disorder and certainly anxiety caused me to have difficult and painful symptoms while attending to church activities, including sacrament meeting. Because social situations often increase stress for people like me with mental health concerns, 
The symptoms naturally worsened when I attended meetings, and that included people and social interaction. The mind does not naturally understand this association, and so the increase in the intensity of the symptoms is associated with attendance and the location, and can be associated with actually all of the individuals in that social group. In addition, concerned ward members, well-meaning leaders, and even family members may attempt to interject a comment, a glance, a glare that they really don't approve of us leaving church or not attending to our meetings. Now, this increases stress, guilt, and ultimately the negative feelings surrounding the event, the place, and the people. The mind will tend to build walls to avoid individuals who reach out in this manner, even when they have loving and wonderful intent. Adding guilt to someone's already painful experience tends to cause greater issues rather than solve the problem. As symptoms remain and cause emotional distress with similar environments, the mind builds a repository. An aversion to that particular environment and the environment may include people, places, social networks, and even knowledge obtained through testimony. I have a host of them from before my mission and during my mission. And I believe this is one reason I have very little memory of my missionary experiences. My mind has built defensive walls around my memory to avoid reliving the pain. Because many of my experiences were deeply emotional and negative due to my bipolar symptoms, I have a form of amnesia regarding my missionary experiences. Now this can also occur for many individuals who have experienced very painful moments in time. They may wholly forget or bury the experience. But the mind does, does remember subconsciously and builds walls to avoid similar situations. Now, this is an automated response, a defensive one that the mind employs. However, this partial amnesia doesn't necessarily stop the mind from building walls around the experience. So, bringing it all together, what we have is a set of core experiences so painful that the mind deems it necessary to build protective walls. These barriers come in all types kinds, shapes, and sizes. The mind is a very unique organ. It needs the barriers to work, and so it builds and tests these defensive barriers, and then rebuilds and fortifies the one that bring needed protection. Now, these particular walls are not the real core issue. They are meant as a defense to allow for avoidance of a repeat experience. When the mind has associated the church environment with the pain, and feels that activity is problematic, it builds defensive walls to avoid activity or association with church societies. Now, we see these defenses regularly from individuals dealing with mental health concerns. They range from polygamy to church funds to same-sex attraction to gender identity to social morals pitted against religious ones and a variety of other concerns. They vary from one individual to another. Now, these are not some generic walls that are just chosen at random. They are individually built and fortified with the strongest emotional reinforcement. We feel the sincere truth of our defensive barriers because our mind feels strongly that it needs to protect itself. The truth is, is that you will never be able to remove these particular types of barriers without fully comprehending what is causing them to exist. You cannot deconstruct barriers until the mind and heart heals from the original painful experiences. The deconstruction and the healing can take place at the same time, and they often do, but the experience is not an easy one. Deconstructing these types of defenses and addressing trauma, pain, and hurt 
is a difficult road to travel, and it is a nearly impossible road to travel alone, and it is impossible without the help of the Lord. The first part of this road is naturally recognition. We must understand the true nature of our pain, our hurt, the depression, the anxiety, whether those issues are simply genetics, like mine at time, like mine, due to victimization, due to environmental issues, or due to all three. We must come to understand the core problem or problems and the experiences associated with them. Because we build strong emotional walls and because they are intended to protect, we will often make our protective walls the real issue in our lives. However, the walls are most often built simply to protect the problem. For me, during my mission, the stress of missionary work simply activated my bipolar symptoms on a regular basis. And while the Lord was merciful to me, I still had many negative emotional experiences in the sense of depressions and anxieties. These experiences became associated with the missionary experience, and with that came my somewhat aversion to missionary work. Now, I do much better now than I have in the past, that I, now that I've found some healing, but it is interesting just how long those memories and feelings can remain with you. I had built walls around missionary work that I had to deconstruct. But the key was to understand two things. One, that I had difficult emotional experiences during my mission, and two, that I was building walls because of those experiences. Using such terms as, I'm just not that good at missionary work, I don't socialize well, there are better missionaries who can do it, and simply avoiding missionary types of activities. The solution to my issues was that my mind needed several positive missionary experiences, in my case, again, with missionary work to re-establish positive emotional history. Actually, that is really the answer to the healing part of all issues, re-establishing those positive experiences with the church, church activity, and its people. The journey is simple on the surface. Find the core problem, work to understand the real issue, and then work to replace negative experiences with positive ones. Sounds easy from the outside, but from the inside is a whole different experience. Finding, even finding the core problem can be difficult at times. Defensive walls feel very real because we build them to be real with strong and deep emotional connection, and we have built several often to protect against the real problem. We may need to identify those walls as defensive walls, false walls, rather than our real issue before we come to a true concern. We must also identify the mental health concerns that have arisen from our experiences. Without a diagnosis and help with mental health with the mental health issue, whether that issue is temporary or more permanent, whether it's depression, PTSD, bipolar, anxiety disorder, or even some variant or combination, the emotional connection to the defensive walls and the core concern will never be fully established. When your emotional health is unmanaged, you will not be able to address the core problem because emotions will continue to arise and thwart your progress. The first step is to obtain help for the mental and emotional concern. And as this occurs, you can begin the process of finding the core problem and deconstructing the walls. Defensive walls often carry with them certain characteristics that make them identifiable. The same is true for core issues, and I think in some ways it's important to explore each separately. Now, let's kind of start with that core issue. Core issues are the reason, the cause, the source, the experience or experiences that initially cause the emotional turmoil. For instance, the cause can be emotional, physical, sexual abuse. It can be caused from bullying or cyber bullying or in-person bullying. 
It can be also something traumatic, such as a car accident, an accidental death, an extremely embarrassing moment, a significant mistake. Now, by the way, it is important to understand that if the core problem is caused by an experience and some form of trauma, that the trauma is defined by the individual and their personal internal senses, not somebody from the outside. So trauma could be as simple as a breakup with the, what you thought was your true love or as complex as manipulative abuse. In addition, the core problem may not even be a particular experience. For instance, I had bipolar 2 disorder, which is a rapid cycling mixed episode mental illness. Bipolar has a strong genetic component, and I had a couple of individuals in my family with similar disorders. The negative emotional incidents in my life were actually somewhat normal events that were then associated with my bipolar symptoms. So many of my teenage and early adult years have many normal life events that are mixed with variously, well, various deeply negative emotional states. A traumatic event did not necessarily happen to me to evoke my mental health concern. It was a mental health issue that caused the event to be traumatic. So our core issue can really arise from a traumatic event or from a genetic mental health issue. The key to understanding the core event or events is the negative emotional state. Once I understood that bipolar was the issue, I could understand the core problem and disassociate the walls. Then by treating the core problem, I could begin to fix the various walls I had built in my life to avoid painful events. For me, like many individuals, increased stress and stressful situations were and are my kryptonite, and they activated my symptoms. Stressful situations vary by individual, but what causes me stress, again, may not cause someone else stress. However, complex social situations, performance concerns such as testing, giving speeches, or talks as they are called in the church, necessary confrontational situations, and such things were very problematic. One could see how a mission might be a little problematic to someone with mental illness as well as college, given the levels of performance and stress associated with those kind of activities. However, I was never going to be able to fix my defensive walls without fixing my bipolar anxiety and depression problems associated with my genetics. For someone experiencing a traumatic situation, the solution can be far more complex in many ways. Sometimes we have built such a fortress around the problem that it takes some help to find it, and that generally involves therapy and sometimes medication. Once the core problem is found, it can take time to heal that issue. Even with the Savior's bountiful grace and mercy, addressing the core emotional problem might take more than just a few months or even years. This doesn't mean that you need years of therapy and help. What it means is that for you to feel, feel fully whole again, it might take some time. Addressing this core issue when it involves victimization, bullying, abuse, and where emotional trust has been shattered can be and perhaps is the most difficult thing we encounter in this mortal life. I know of nothing more traumatizing to the emotional balance of the individual than to have one's trust entirely abused and upended by someone willing to really abuse that trust. The scars that remain are often deep and lasting. While I do recommend therapy with a trusted counselor who understands church doctrine, I also recommend counseling with someone who understands the atonement of the Savior and how to walk you through a spiritual healing process. Ultimately, the Savior is the one that will bring peace, emotional balance, and wholeness back to your life. He specializes in miracles and can heal things we do not even know are broken. However, one prayer, 
one counseling session is not likely to be sufficient. The road to peace is not a straight line and is often full of pitfalls, failures, and difficult days. But it is also full of hope, recovery, peace, and coming to fully know a loving Savior. Now let's talk a little bit about these defensive walls. The walls we have constructed from various issues are going to be difficult to deconstruct because we have constructed them with deep emotion and we often perceive them as true. So it's going to take time to deconstruct them. Now this type of emotional connection is one that will need divine help as well because the walls we build are rarely about logical concerns but more about the ones that require a spiritual witness. You must reconstruct that spiritual witness and in so doing remove the defensive barriers keeping you from that witness. We must find and reconstruct truth and that is not an easy endeavor. When we have accepted false emotional truths and defended them rigorously it will take strong emotional experiences to overcome what we have felt. The reality is that this type of change is what is referred to as a change of heart in the scriptures and it only occurs under particular circumstances. It is the Spirit's job to perform this spiritual heart transplant operation. From us, it requires humility, acceptance that we need the Lord's help and the Spirit's help, and a willingness to open our heart to the operation. As much as we would like the Spirit to simply cause a quick change immediately, and that does happen to some individuals, for the most part, it is a much longer surgery requiring us to remain humble and willing for a significant period of time. The change is far more likely to occur subtly and in waves rather than all at once. And the change happens sometimes so subtly that it can be difficult to tell one day from another that the change is taking place. And because you will likely be dealing with symptoms of mental illness during the process, there will be times that you will, be, you will feel the process is recurring or, or occurring in reverse. However, persistence eventually wins. And the Lord can help with the humility, the willingness, and the persistence. He is ever willing to help us in our weakness and our trials. Finally, I think that it's important to understand that the Lord is a God of miracles. The process can feel impossible on a regular basis, and you can definitely feel hopeless, lost, and abandoned. The Lord is ever willing to show us his miracles on a personal basis. Miracles are really the interventions of grace where without his help we would be left to ourselves and on our own. If we are humble and willing, miracles will occur. That I can definitely promise, because that is what the Lord has promised, and that is what I have experienced. As a benefit to the process, you will become ever more bonded to the Lord, and develop a deep and abiding relationship with him and the Father. This relationship can be, like the miracle itself, almost invisible from our perception. But slowly, over time, we gain confidence in him and his ability to heal, and our faith develops. Ultimately, personally, I wish I could heal everyone from those moments of emotional pain, allowing them to fully heal and experience life anew. But I also know that these experiences are important learning tools to teach us of the power of the Savior's atonement and his love for us. They also provide for us important experiences that ultimately we will need for our own children. The one thing I do know is that the Savior can fully heal the wound and make up the difference. May he bless you to find the peace and hope that you need in your life. Until next week, do your part so that the Lord can do his.